to Natural MD Radio, your place to hear the whole truth on health and medicine for women and children and get the tools you need to take back your health naturally starting now. I'm Dr. Aviva Ram. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Natural MD Radio. This is Dr. Aviva Ram, your host, and I have for you today episode 106, Overcoming Anxiety with Self-Care, How to Rewire to Thrive. How we feel shapes a tremendous amount of how we experience life, what we believe is possible in terms of our happiness, our success, our health, and even what people and experiences we attract to ourselves. It took me a long time to discover that I have a lot of control over how I choose to feel, and that one thing I didn't like being plagued by was happiness anxiety. This awareness started for me about 10 years ago. I was invited to teach at a conference, in fact, to be the keynote speaker. It was a big event, a decent payment offer, and a topic I love, women's health. You'd think I'd be thrilled, but my first reaction wasn't excitement, it was anxiety. Specifically, that means I have to fly out west, which means an airplane, which means what happens to my kids if something happens to me, and so on and so on, to the point that within 15 minutes, I had so many worries that I was on the verge of canceling before I'd officially accepted. Now, this was not an unfamiliar reaction. I'd experienced it many times before, when I got my first book contract, when I got accepted to Yale Medical School, and honestly, I felt it a little bit every time I was just plain, really happy and secure. In would creep that fear gremlin saying, watch out, something terrible is going to happen. Now, if you met me and looked at the big chances I've taken in my life, applying to college at 14, leaving home to start college at 15, birthing my four children at home, being a home birth midwife, applying to medical school in my late 30s as a home birth midwife and herbalist, going to Yale Medical School, and so forth, anxiety would not probably be the word that came to your mind to describe me. And I'm usually the calm one in a storm, battening down the hatches, getting everyone to safety, the kind of person that you'd want on that proverbial desert island to handle a crisis. So overall, anxiety would not have been something I would thought of myself as struggling with. Until that day, when it was staring back at me in the mirror, when I was brushing my teeth before bed that evening, still processing whether to go to that event and coming up with every excuse in my mind not to go. It was like at that moment, I was suddenly struck by a lightning bolt. Lights were turning on in my brain super fast, like it was an old-fashioned switchboard in there. And then voila, I got it all at once. I have happiness anxiety. I have success anxiety. Whoa, I live as if the other shoe is always about to drop. I realized that I wasn't infrequently nagged by the feeling that if something really great happened in my life, there was going to be some kind of cosmic counterbalance in the form of something really bad happening. That feeling got worse when I became a mom because the stakes suddenly got higher. Something could happen to my partner or dread on dread my kids. The hidden belief that if something good happened, something bad was going to happen was subtly driving my life and keeping me from enjoying success and experiences unencumbered by happiness. I had what I called happiness anxiety, or I sometimes refer to as success anxiety, but why? My life is actually really good. The evidence didn't stack up. So where was it coming from? 
Can you relate to this? Do you suddenly find yourself catastrophizing when you're on the verge of something great happening for you? Do you get stopped in your tracks by a fear just when life feels really good and happy? If you have it, you know it. It's a real thing and it can be a serious impediment, keeping you from taking chances on relationships, opportunities, growth, and even just freaking enjoying your life in a big way. I promise you, you're not crazy, you're not alone, and it's something you can totally transform by choosing freedom from anxiety. As my work became more successful, this thought pattern became too obvious an obstacle and a burden for me to ignore any longer. I either had to say no to all the good things coming my way, say yes and live with fear, or get over it. I decided the latter was the best course, so I started to intentionally explore it. At first, I thought maybe I was inherently a doubting, negative person, and that's all there was to it. But I don't truly believe that too many people are inherently that way, and overall, I'm way too much of an optimist, so I ditched that theory. Then I semi-seriously considered the possibility that it was some form of inherited Jewish worry thing. However, speaking with thousands of women around the country in my travels as a national speaker led me to discover that I was not alone in this stressful belief, nor was it only a Jewish woman thing. In fact, I met thousands of women from a wide variety of backgrounds who shared this experience, and it was keeping some of them from living fully, boldly, and happily. Instead of welcoming and celebrating their wins and successes, many were always waiting for the other shoe to drop. So what was it then? It was a deep dive into the field of psychoneuroimmunology, the science that studies the impact of our stress response system on how our brains are wired, and as a result, how our thinking and emotions are shaped, that gave me my answer and the solution. I discovered that I had a form of high-functioning anxiety, and it was creating unpleasant background noise in my life, hampering my happiness and holding me back. Today, I'm going to tell you step-by-step how you can overcome this symptom 100% just as I did many years ago, so much so that now it's just a memory of a time that I lived very differently than I do now, with a worry and fear that I know you can overcome, because I did it too. But first, why do I call anxiety a symptom? Because it's a symptom that your brain is stuck in survival mode, and usually it's doing so for a very real reason. The anxious mind is wired to survive. Human survival drive is incredibly powerful. In fact, it's so strong that we are hardwired to survive, even at the expense of our comfort and happiness. Survival mode starts in two small organs called the amygdala, which means almond-shaped, in your brain one on either side. The amygdala functions quite similarly to a surveillance system. Its entire job is to scan for, recognize, and record signs of danger in your environment, as well as responding to inner danger signals like hunger or getting overheated. Like surveillance cameras mounted on a building, the amygdala is constantly scanning the perimeter using your senses of sight, hearing, and smell, as well as more subtle senses like reading other people's body cues, for example, to pick up signs of anything that can pose a threat to you. Your amygdala recognizes potentially threatening facial expressions on others, vocal pitches, behaviors, gestures, and physical movements as possible hazards to your safety. It then catalogs these as memories, 
in a part of your brain called the hippocampus. And when anything happens that in any way resembles that threat, your brain goes into fast action, triggering your survival mode to kick in. So let's say, for example, a parent, relative, or adult in your life left you feeling vulnerable or was a threat in any way when you were a small child. That person's facial expressions, mannerisms, movements, or behaviors, even their perfume or cologne or a tobacco smell, anything that signaled danger, were likely imprinted as a sign of danger in these parts of your brain. Fast forward to now and you're hanging out with a friend, you're out on a date, you're in a business meeting or job interview or talking with your spouse and the person you're interacting with makes a facial expression, gesture or physical movement, even if it has absolutely nothing to do with you, but that is reminiscent of the facial expression in your brain's catalog of threats. Your internal survival response system goes into high alert, even if you're not really in danger. A relay message is immediately sent to your hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis or your stress axis. When this gets kicked in, you start to pump out chemicals and hormones, for example, adrenaline and cortisol that lead to physiological, emotional, and mental reactions that allow you to combat the danger. Your breathing changes. You become hypervigilant or super aware of everything going on in your environment. You go into what is commonly called fight or flight mode. It's a lot like the feeling you get if you've watched a scary movie and it's really quiet in your house and you're in the middle of that moment in a scary movie and all of a sudden you hear a thud or something dropping or clinking in your house and you go into super high alert. It's like a breathless panic. Or the feeling we all know too well of being on a dark street, heading to our car alone and we hear footsteps or we're in a parking garage at night. It's that feeling. The thing is, anxiety can take hold, and what's wired together fires together. That's why some of us associate good things with bad things happening. In neurology, there's actually an expression, what gets wired together gets fired together. For many of us, grief, loss, fear, intense anxiety, insecurity, instability, or other painful, vulnerable feelings at some time got mixed up with happy, good or positive experiences or moments of reveling in success, all of which were cross-cataloged together in your survival memory bank. Positive experiences and feelings can become locked in or bound to a sense of dread over something happening. This particular type of anxiety is a really common experience for women who have had a critical parent. You come home from school with a 92 on your math test and your parent says, why didn't you get a hundred? You win third place in the state tennis tournament and you're feeling pretty good about it. And your parent or coaches express this disappointment that you didn't make it to the nationals. This is also really common in those who have had a dysfunctional family or mentally unwell relative who always turned a good experience into a nightmare. Your 12th birthday was a great day until your mom and dad had the fight of the century and told you they were getting divorced. And that's now locked into the birthday memory. The parent who didn't show up or showed up inebriated, or the holiday event where something more serious happened, the uncle that everyone knows shouldn't be around the young girls in the family who corners you and makes you uncomfortable, threatened, or worse, or the happy event at which news arrived that there had also been an accident or tragedy, 
At some point, you might even begin to dread happiness or success because subconsciously it's bound up with some form of misery or painful memory or a very serious danger to your safety. In her beautiful attempt to keep you safe, your brain sets up a warning system and not only catalogs all of this, but goes a step further and connects the categories, happy and bad events get wired together in an associated neurologic firing pattern. It didn't take long for me to understand why I was always waiting for the other shoe to drop. My own parents divorced when I was four, and it wasn't pretty, culminating in my uncle putting my dad in the hospital. I saw the whole thing. My mom picked up all the pieces and raised me and my baby brother on her own. On occasion, I'd have a weekend visit with my dad and his new wife. She'd been a part of the whole divorce equation. She was young, fun, pretty, a model, and an artist, and we had fun together. But when I'd arrive back home with my mom on Sunday evenings, she'd ask me if I'd had a good time, and I'd quickly rattle off all the things we'd done. But wow, understandably, this pushed my mom's buttons, and I quickly learned having fun brought serious disapproval. So I began to say what a horrible time I had whenever I returned my dad's house, which was rare that I went anyway. But I extended this to any social event because I started to feel guilty that I was having fun if my mom wasn't. I learned early on that I paid an emotional price for pleasure and actually began to have anxiety when anything felt too good, easy, or enjoyable. I was also that kid who got the 92 and was told, why didn't you get the 100? So I put a lot of pressure on myself around when good things are happening as if I'm not going to be able to do them well enough. We're not irrational, neurotic, or negative thinkers for having these associated patterns. It's how our survival wiring actually works to keep us safe. Many of us, without even realizing it, are subtly living with this stress all the time because of past trauma triggered that triggers us to get mildly stuck in survival mode. When we're otherwise overwhelmed, tired, or stressed, this survival pattern easily gets activated or stuck in the on position, or it's triggered too easily. And when we have kids, for example, our sense of vulnerability is automatically increased so that this can exacerbate the pattern as it did for me and does for so many of the women I know. In order to get out of it and stop it from firing over and over each time we're in a similar situation or anything good is happening, or we anticipate something good happening, we have to consciously do some thought repattering, repatterning, which is how I believe that we can overcome anxiety with self-care. We can rewire our brains to thrive. A beautiful and amazing thing about our brains and our lives is that we not only have this deep drive to survive, but we have the ability to change and not just survive, but thrive. It's what drives us to want wholeness, happiness, and healing. The ability to change our brains and with it our thoughts and our emotional responses, and as a result, the choices we feel confident making and how we live our lives is called neuroplasticity. It means that your neural hardwiring can actually be reshaped, repatterned, and reconnected. Because the emotional responses are tied to the biochemical reactions that happen once our brains get activated, disrupting the thought patterns will naturally begin to shift the physical and emotional aspects of the reaction, for example, the anxiety you experience. Our brain is working on the basis of millions of fast-firing electrical impulses and chemical exchanges that are happening a zillion times in milliseconds in our brain. 
What's really beautiful is that unlike electrical and telephone wires, which are literally fixed into their root, the electrical pathways in our brain can be rerouted. Here are the four steps that take less than five minutes, but that can gradually and certainly shift your brain into creating new and healthy patterns that don't prevent you from going into survival mode when you need it and will allow you to begin to welcome the wonderful back into your life without fear of payback at the same time. Think of these four steps as a form of self-care because they are. Step one is to name the thoughts and feelings. The first and most important key in making the shift out of the pattern that is binding your happiness to pain is to recognize the feeling of being stuck in survival mode. These are feelings of fear, overwhelm, and anxiety. You may notice that your breathing gets shallow or constricted. Your back, neck, or shoulders get tight or move up toward your ears. You may feel tension in your stomach or abdomen, or you might actually develop physical symptoms like a headache, dizziness, or nausea. When you become conscious of the actual physical feelings and the mental thoughts associated with it that you're having in your body, you can start to give it a name, survival mode or anxiety. So step one is recognizing and naming the thoughts and feelings, tying those physical and emotional sensations and cognitive thoughts together. Step two is to breathe. When you get into that survival mode, when you start to have that fear or anxiety or panic reaction or that series of negative worrisome thoughts or those feelings in your body, a part of your nervous system called your sympathetic nervous system, your SNS, is activated and creates the very specific feelings and thoughts associated with the fight, flight, or freeze response. You're usually breathing shallowly. Sometimes you're even holding your breath because you're listening for sounds and your breathing might get faster and that keeps you in sympathetic overdrive, which generates the feelings of anxiety. The antidote that brings yourself more back into a deeper place of calm is actually simply deep breathing. To give you a really big example of this, I have a patient who is an incredible woman. She was doing graduate work and entered her dorm one night at graduate school and her security guard offered to escort her to her room with some packages she was carrying and she was raped. Now, she spent a lot of time living at home, terrorized, terrified, tried various psychiatric medications. It was really a very traumatic couple of years for her. And ultimately, through a lot of deep work and healing, she was able to live on her own. But what she found is that she would get into these moments of sudden panic and anxiety. And so what I shared with her to do was to actually set her smartphone for every two hours, just a little chime that would go off every two hours, and remind her to check and see if she was breathing. Now, obviously, she's breathing. We all have to breathe to live. But if you've ever been in that moment of anxiety, which I'm sure you have because we all have at some point in our life, where you think you hear a sound or something like that, even if it hasn't been like a, a serious uh, threat to your well-being, you know that feeling of holding your breath. And she was doing that. She was breath holding. She was doing that fast, shallow breathing, or sometimes she would just have moments of breath holding. And so in setting the smartphone, she started to recalibrate to these deeper breathing practices that she was doing throughout the day. So one thing you can do if you find yourself someone 
struggling with frequent anxiety is to do exactly what I shared with my patient, just to set a smartphone for every couple of hours, a very gentle chime, and have it remind you to center yourself and do deep, soft belly breathing. And also, if you find yourself in the moment, just specifically where fear or anxiety is coming up or negative a negative train of thoughts is coming up or you're having those body symptoms that you're in survival mode, use slow, soft, deep belly breathing. The simplest way to do this is to inhale for the count of four very deeply into your belly through your nose and then exhale to the count of six slowly and fully through your mouth. So inhale count of four exhale count of six. And you can even add a layer to that, which is as you inhale, you can say, I am. And as you exhale, say at peace. You don't say it out loud. You just say it in your mind. So you're inhaling slowly, exhaling slowly, four, six rhythm. I am at peace. All you have to do is repeat this even four times in a row, like just four cycles of the breathing. And it's amazing what can happen. If you want, even just hit pause right now. I call it the quickie because it's such a quick reset and you can do it anytime, anywhere that you're getting stressed. And it is my personal most powerful go-to for if some if an anxiety thought is keeping me up at night, if I'm in a moment of tension with someone, I just kind of give myself a mental pause and do that quickie, that inhale, exhale with I am at peace. When you send a different message to your brain, whether through that mantra of I am at peace or through the combined mantra and breathing exercise, it actually starts to rewire the whole response all the way from that external surveillance system in your amygdala down to your adrenals. And it's really powerful. It's the same technique by which meditation, mindfulness, or yoga help us to reset. It brings us into a parasympathetic mode, which is the opposite of the fight or flight. It's the rest and repair mode. And you can do this anytime. You can do it in a conversation that's heated and you don't want to go down a road toward a fight. You can do it during family holidays. If you're having stress, just do that quickie. And you can do it without anyone knowing it. Just do the inhale and the exhale. So practice that as part of your daily life. And as you exhale, as you practice that, you'll find that you actually go into this stress mode much less. As you practice it, you'll, when you go into it, you'll find you come out of it much quicker. So step one, is to name the feeling. Step two is to start and the thoughts. Step two is to breathe and breathe or breathe and use a mantra. Step three is to de-escalate with perspective. Now that you're calmer, take a step back and remember, fears and feelings don't actually mean anything horrible is about to happen. The worries are not prophecy. They're just echoes of fear and loss from the past, from things that may have happened that you don't even remember that got imprinted but aren't happening to you now. They're just overlaying themselves in your current situation. So rather than letting emotion or the thought run away like a chariot without horses or a ride, a chariot of horses without a rider, recognize that these are just thoughts and these are just emotions, but they're not true. Right now, in this minute, you're not in danger. Disrupt the pattern by saying to yourself, this is a thought. This is a feeling. This is not my reality right now. So step three is to de-escalate and have perspective. And step four is perhaps the weirdest one, but I really want you to try it, which is to thank the fear. And you're doing all of this, you know, kind of consecutively as 
these feelings and thoughts come up. So this is the surprising step, and it's to create an actual cognitive disruption that breaks the grip of the thoughts and emotions and physical feelings and transforms them from fear to love. And that is the big game changer here. You want to thank the fear and release it by intentionally giving it permission to leave. So every time the anxieties or fears or thoughts or worries or sensations bubble up and you recognize them, literally take a few seconds to say to them, thank you thoughts, thank you emotions, thank you fear. At some point in my life, you protected me. I honor you. You kept me safe, but I am safe now and I don't need you anymore. So you can go. This is an act of radical self-love and transformation for healing those patterns that may have literally saved your life or your sanity at some point in the past. Just doing this practice every time you catch yourself in that anxiety mode can completely reshape that pattern into a new, healthy, self-respecting, self-loving pathway. Remember, what's wired together fires together, and that goes for healthy patterns too. Imagine you're walking over a well-worn trail. It's really easy to walk on a path you've walked down a million times before. Your feet just know the way. You don't have to use a machete to cut through brambles and branches. You don't have to clear out the underbrush. The emotional and thought patterns that you habitually go down are similar to that well-worn path. It's really easy to go down that thought rut that you've been walking on for much of your life. Your brain and emotions will go down that path without any effort, even if you don't love the scenery. If you practice the four-sequence step that I've just shared with you, and which you can find in written form for you over at avivaram.com forward slash 106. Before long, even without, a f- even like in just a few short months or less, you can literally rewire your brain. Over time, your brain will recatalog so that the positive and the negative experiences can have their own pathways. Further, it will become second nature to recognize the difference between old stories and reactions and the now present ones. Due to a phenomenon that I mentioned called neuroplasticity, you can literally change your brain's patterns with a little conscious effort and self-care. Blazing a new trail does take some work and persistence. Sometimes it takes a machete to clear a new path. But over time, as you choose to walk it instead of the path of habit, it becomes the new well-worn path that's easy to travel down. If you have anxiety, life can be different. And I really want to reinforce that wonderful things can happen in your life without anything horrible happening. About 10 years ago, I really got it. For me, I suddenly became aware of the discrepancy in my life between the thoughts and the emotions and the worries that I had every time something good was about to happen. I actually took inventory of my adult life and said, wow, this good thing happened and nothing bad happened, and that good thing happened and nothing bad happened, and that good thing happened and nothing bad happened, and every time I just started to notice that good things could happen and nothing bad happened. Even for you, if something good happened and then something bad did happen, there's no evidence that it's ever going to happen again and again and again. When I actually looked at the evidence of my life, and when I took a look at the evidence of most of the lives of the women that I know that struggle with this worry, 
I see that so many wonderful and good things can happen to us without something bad happening. I now know that good things don't always get followed by bad things. In fact, most of the time they don't. And the good thing isn't going to stop the bad thing from happening. So how do I really want to live my life? In constant worry, playing small, not celebrating the wins? Allowing yourself to disentangle the good from the fear is such a wonderful gift that you can give yourself. Creating a new path of possibility using breathing, and if you want to go even further using journaling or working with a great therapist to help you understand where your patterns can come from can be powerfully healing. You have an incredible new path in front of you, one that allows wonderful things to happen in your life, and I want to honor that and thank you for being here today and honor that you are ready and that you're at the head of that new path and ready to do the work that it takes to reflect, to shift, and to go on to the rest of your life knowing that the universe has your back. Know that you deserve wonderful things to happen and knowing that wonderful things can happen and nothing has to happen with it except the wonderful thing. If you'd like to learn more about survival mode and how to get out of it, And if you'd like to dive deeper into the happiness that you deserve, that's exactly what I teach you to do in my book, The Adrenal Thyroid Revolution. It's also the focus of a special online course that I offer called Fear to Freedom, Perfectionism to Peace, which you can sign up for the waiting list over at my website. I've put the link below for both my book and for this course at avivaram.com forward slash 106. And just so you know, being here with you and knowing that you show up for Natural MD Radio is another one of the wonderful things that happened in my life. Thank you for that. And I wish you all the wonderful things in return. See you next time on Natural MD Radio. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Natural MD Radio. If you did, please go to avivaram.com and join the conversation about the show on my blog. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for my newsletter. It's free and it's jam-packed with powerful tips to help you take back your health naturally. That's avivaram.com. Take care and see you next time.